back, everyone, to the Raider Crusader. I'm your host, Matt Fluker. I'm here with my friend and co-host, uh, Bradley Frederick. Bradley Frederick. You can call me Basketball Brad. Yeah, so recently, we the spring sports uh, section has started off, you know, pretty much started off, we're going to take a deep dive into pretty much all the sports here at Riverwood. Um, we'll start out with track, and recently at track, the uh, Kalila, Abril, and Nick West placed first in pole vault. Jump, Nick West jumped to a school record four feet, seven inches. Um, another school record. I think this is his, like, I think it's like fourth time breaking the school record. Yeah, so 14 feet is pretty So, impressive. which is really cool because the every time he jumps higher than he has before, he breaks, he breaks the school record. record. Yeah. So, he is officially in the record books. Um, both Kalila and Nick made the mile split U.S. second team, which is very... I mean, U.S., that's national. Yeah. So we have two of the best um, pole vaulters in the country. Yeah, on, I know Nick on, is competing in a national event over the summer. Yes, so yes. to him. Yeah, credits to him. Um, more onto the track, El Mezio placed first in the 1600 and 3200 meter races. Um, she ran a 549-1600, which is very impressive. Very. I think I would pass out if I tried to do that. Yeah, that's um, a mile. That's like very impressive. I feel, like we talk about, yeah. I feel like we talk about El Mezio every episode. Yeah. Um, she's always breaking records. You know, good for her. Um, the girls' team won the first meet of the season at Chapel Hill. Uh, at this meet, Amir Reynolds placed second in the 100-meter dash, uh, running it in 11.3 seconds, uh, which is very fast. Um, so second overall. And then in that same meet, Ronell Saintville uh, placed second in the 200, running the 200 in 23.54 seconds. Yeah. And, um I know both of them have worked really hard, and I know the track team has worked hard, so props yeah. to them. I also know that Ronell came in second in the 400. He, I, I don't know his time exactly, but I know he was .15 yeah. seconds lower than awesome. the first new one, so he's awesome. up so, there. Now, let's jump into lacrosse. Yeah, so lacrosse recently started the season with an 18-1 to win versus Chambly. Uh, the Raiders have a very strong lineup with juniors Kellen Krugelowitz and Hudson Weller. First of all, side note, rip Kellen. Yeah, rest in peace, Kellen. Yeah. Um, they're coming off a very rough game versus Marist, and Marist is notorious for being a very rough uh, lacrosse team. Um, I he think got... I think most of them were played football as well. So I think so. They were big um, boys. There was nothing our friend Kellen could do yeah, when he got hit from behind. Yeah, Kellen, for... our star player Kellen Kruglewicz, um got hit from behind and was has been sidelined for a week and a half with a concussion. Yeah, but he's and getting better. It's he's... not only Kellen, it's a bunch of players too, which yeah. has been which has actually been a real hit to the team um lately, but I think we're ready to get back on track. And luckily, what I've heard is that um the lacrosse program I guess just luckily had like a two two to three week break in between games yeah, around right. this time. So, I think they're really using this time to rest up and you know, get Kellen back out there as well as you yeah. Know, I think Kellen. I think Kellen will be back in a week or so. But yeah, he's had to miss a ton of school. Yeah, he's back though. But I think you know concussions are nothing to mess with. You yeah. want to take yeah, all exactly, exactly. So I think he'll be back. So soon. yeah, tell him when the next game is, Brad. Yeah, next game is on March tenth versus Jackson in the heart of Metro Atlanta at six p.m. Heart of Metro Atlanta. There you go. Be there. So let's jump into basketball. Um, so the basketball season just wrapped up and uh pretty recently um. And the Raiders had a great season. The Raiders won the region, region champs, and they won in dramatic fashion after being down 18 points with two minutes to go in the first half of the region championship, um, which was incredible. I play on the team. 
Um, and I tell you, I didn't play much, but I felt like I was in the game. Um, so, yeah, being 18 down, you know, I think we, we had a big lift from Corbin Lane, uh, who had close to 20 points, and then uh, Jonathan Brown, who was a beast on defense, uh, really held it down for us in the paint, and we celebrated region championship. Uh, then we went on to the first round of state. We hosted a state playoff game uh, for the third time, third year in a row, which has been something we've always really worked towards. It's, it was one of our goals um, to start the season to host a state playoff game, and uh, again, we won that game uh, pretty closely against Loganville and moved on to the second round of state for the first time in, I think, four years. Um, and then we, we lost to Dutchtown in the second round of state to a really close game, 55-59. You know, a couple yeah. calls go a different way. You know, we could be loss. heartbreaking loss. a good season, and I know we got a right future. Uh, so we finished, uh, the basketball team finished 22-7 and and 13-2 and in the region. So great season. Looking forward to next year. Good season. Something to be proud of. So on to soccer. So the boys have had a lot of ties, and they're a very talented team. Probably the best that they've had since their state championship yeah, I know, years ago. I know Timmy Adams is holding it down. Timmy, yeah. Uh, he's holding it down in goal. Um, yeah, I feel like I don't think he's let up very many goals this season. I'm not sure how much, but he's always been kind of the cornerstone of the defense as far as soccer, the boys' soccer team. So Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, he yeah. can touch every part of the goal. Exactly. Time. Yeah, Timmy is about 6'6", six, six, yeah. a great goalkeeper. Um, the girls' soccer team has – they've been in a ton of close games to start the season. Uh, the girls recently defeated Woodward 2-1, uh, to one, but the girls are looking to get back on track after a loss to Walton. And the next game is Banneker on Thursday at 5.55 here at Riverwood. So if you want to come up, pull up, come to the game on Thursday at uh, 5.55. Yeah, uh, and for the boys, the next game is Thursday at here at Riverwood versus Banneker. And it's one of the first region games of the season. So if you want to support the Riverwood Red Chairs, show up. <laughs> exactly. And now we'll jump into baseball. Um, the baseball season has kind of been riddled with injuries, kind of like lacrosse. Yeah. Um, I know Ben Fox has been ruled out for the season. Um, he was one of our starting pitchers last year who played a big impact in our uh, – I think we made it the Sweet 16 last year, Sweet correct? 16, yeah. Um, yeah, so losing him was a big hit the season, hooked the morale of the team. So, But fortunately, we won the last game versus Roswell. Uh, in this game, Jake Muse uh, pitched six innings and – um, had zero earned runs and seven strikeouts, so he was definitely holding down for the defense. Yeah, I'm another very pitcher. Impressive. Yeah, another pitcher that has emerged is sophomore Tyler Freer, who has made a big leap from last year. He's now one of the top varsity pitchers yeah. as a sophomore. Got a as teacher. a sophomore, it's big. Um, you know, Riverwood's kind of had a history of having great pitchers. I feel like he'll be one of the greats um, with, uh, you know, Ben Fox and then Brett. Brett. Yeah. Brett um, held it down for a while, so. I feel like Tyler Freer could be an emerging star for the Raiders. Um, so the next game is Wednesday, March 4th at Eastside High School, uh, and we're hoping to continue the winning streak. So yeah. uh, speaking so, of yeah, baseball... Speaking of baseball, we're, we can't talk about baseball without talking about the Astros. So just some context for those who don't know. The Astros recently got caught cheating. Uh, their 2017 World Series team um, with their elaborate plan to steal signs by banging trash cans when there was an off-speed pitch coming. Mm-hmm. And so everyone is kind of upset because, you know, they cheated their way to getting a World Series ring, but 
like they don't really deserve the World Series ring because they cheated. And MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred has received a lot of criticism because he did not punish them hard enough. And what's going on now, now that spring training has started, it's only been about two weeks of spring training, but I think seven Astros have been hit by pitches, and a lot of that is because... Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a lot of fans are, like, mocking their dugout. They'll, like, buy seats next to the dugout and, you know, just chant things into the dugout. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone, everyone hates the Everyone now, hates the Astros. Which is crazy because, I mean, you got someone like Jose Altuve. is one, one of everyone's favorite players, but not always, anymore. Always, always been. And there was but, a whole thing that, like, he didn't, like, after he hit a home run, he didn't, like, rip off his shirt. Yeah. Because yeah. they said he had, like, a, you know, all sorts of red flags flying up. And, Brad, I, I just want to ask you, like, do you think the Astros should have been punished? How and how? How do you think they should have been punished? Well, um, so there's a controversial issue here, and it's because people think that the the whole scandal was really player driven. Um, so people think that the players deserve to be punished more than the coaches, but that didn't really happen that much because they didn't want to punish individual players. But they've done that before. You know, if you get caught on steroids, yeah. you're getting suspended. Um, Pete Rose is banned. He's got a personal ban because he was betting on baseball. I don't know why. I don't know why they drew the line here because, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I get why the coaches would also be banned because they were probably you know they're accomplices to it. But I think that the players got off easily because they're the stars and, and they make yeah, them I mean, money. You you'd think that it was the Astros. You know, we preach in sports. You know, no I and team. So why aren't the aren't why are the athletes being punished? You know, why is it just the front office? Why is it just the people in charge? I feel like. The players, you know, kind of got left off the hook. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I, I will say I have been critical of Rob Manfred recently just because because of the whole Astro situation, obviously, but also because I think they're focusing their attention on restructuring the playoffs, and it would the way they would do it would put 14 out of the 30 MLB teams in the playoffs, which is too much, yeah. and especially because the system is, like, perfect. How it is now. Yeah, I feel like putting 14, I, 14 would just kind of, you know, dilute the regular season. And, and, and the whole thing would be, they say it would be to avoid a wild card game, but if you do the math, a seven, seven teams from each side, that does not go evenly. Someone would have to have a bye anyway. It, it just doesn't, I don't know. I, I'm normally a very big fan of the MLB, but yeah. recently, since, you know, this I mean, and They play, how many games do they play already? Uh, 162. Like 162, yeah. so, like, why would you add more teams to the playoffs. I feel like that would just put less weight on games that already have less weight. Um, you know, the MLB is kind of a mess right now, but, you know, jumping in, because it's March, March is just approached. It's the, actually, March 3rd today. Um, March Madness this year is sure to be a good one. Yes, um, I'm excited because... I'll, can I just read you some stats about the AP poll this year? I would love to um, read you some AP poll. The AP poll has displayed the chaos that is sure to continue in March. Um, schools like Michigan State, you remember Michigan State, Cassius Winston. And Izzo um, We Trust. That's yeah, what, Izzo that's We Trust. Uh, Michigan State was the number one team in the, preseason num- uh, in the preseason AP poll, and now they have spent most of their season unranked, but now have just creeped their way back into being the number 24 team in the nation. Yeah. Um, and this just isn't, uh, it's just not Michigan State. 12 teams that were ranked at the start of the season are no longer in the top 25. So it has been chaos. Um, you talk about teams like San Diego State uh, who were just completely off the radar and now are um, predicted to be one seeds going into March. Um, they've put up, they've strung together some wins. You know, I think they had, a, I think they had like a 25-game win streak at one point. Yeah, something like that. Um, you know, teams like Baylor out of nowhere in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, 
you know, making Dayton. yeah, Dayton in the oh, uh, what are they in yeah. American Ten? I think A Ten. I'm not really sure where I they are. The Mac. I think you're right. A Ten. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just teams coming out of nowhere. That I mean, Baylor. No one really had them preseason. They're always being very. A threat. They're always, they're always very mediocre. They're always very right? mediocre. Maybe sneak into the tournament. I remember I, that year they had Terry on Prince and yeah, but they lost to Yale. Yale. They lost to Yale. I mean, that happens. Um, that happens to everyone. You know, I'm I'm excited because normally there's there's one or two teams that are really good, right? And mm-hmm. it's and you know there's there's going to be some upsets that are obviously shocking. Yeah. But this year. And the whole regular season has been filled with upsets. Yeah, shocking. yeah. It, so, I'll, I'll be interested to see what how March Madness reflects the chaotic regular season. I mean, I could go on and on. Like Baylor, I think was ranked like twentieth in the preseason AP poll, so number, and now they're three. They're two, number two. two. They were number two, but they they're just number one for a long time. Yeah, they, they were number one for a long time. They were undefeated. They were like twenty four and zero. Still lost to TCU. Twenty four and one. Um. Yeah, but they've been. Yeah, they Baylor. Is an interesting team though because Baylor has looked very strong to start the season. You know, like I said, they were twenty four and one at one point, but have kind of stumbled lately. Um, they lost to TCU. I know last night they had a close game with Texas Tech. They took them to overtime. Um, but Baylor, what really makes Baylor different from other teams is Baylor in the past has been an offensive dominated team. Yeah. But now this year is all They're defense. All defense. They're I think they're ranked like number two in adjusted defense efficiency, which is crazily good. Um, but you know, my question is, Bradley, who do you think um, is primed to make a run for the championship this year? And I'll and I'll just read you the one and two seeds right now. If the tournament started today, the one seeds would be Kansas, San Diego State, Baylor, and Gonzaga. The two seeds would be Dayton, Seton Hall, Maryland, and Florida State. And this is why it's significant. The number one or two seed has won the whole tournament um, eight out of the last ten times. Eight out of the last ten years. So if you're doing a bracket pool, I'd probably pick a one or two seed. So yeah. no, out, of, out of those eight teams, who do you think and why um, do you think they'll, they'll win it all? Well, I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to pick Kansas here. And I think they, they, in my opinion, are the strongest resume because they're, exactly. they're yeah, lost, that's, that's they a, lost to Baylor. They beat them. They've proven that I don't know if they're the better team. They've proven they can at least beat them, and they're just as good as them. But I also never like to pick the number one seed because that's how exactly. you disappoint. And, you know, you never really can trust Bill Self in March Madness. As, that's true. As that's a, true. He does. He's got all the accolades. He can do it all. But, you know, he doesn't really win in March. It's true. You know, that's yeah. the one knock on his resume. That's where you got someone like Tom Izzo, even though yeah, they're, they're going to spawn at the right time, they can be poised yeah. to make a run. Because he's, he's been there before. He's had mm-hmm. seven seeds and, go to the final four. But, I mean, Kansas can do it with Devin Dotson and uh, yeah. Udoka Azabuki. I also, I wouldn't sleep on Dayton because when you got a player like Obi Toppin, any team, they, he can control the game. Make a run. He can, you know. But, like, back where I was saying about Kansas, like, Devin Dotson and Azabuki are arguably the best at their position in the country. Yeah. No. Um, so their pick-and-roll game is incredible. But what I think people are sleeping on is Gonzaga. Gonzaga likes to run fast. And I usually don't like picking, mm-hmm. you know, out-of-conference or uh, non-Power 5 conference teams as my champion. But Gonzaga plays fast. They, um, I think they lead the nation in, like, possessions per or points for 100 processions. Um, they play fast. They run out, and they get in a fast break, and they have this um, Corey Kisper, I think is his name. He's like a 6'7", you know, tall, lanky guy who just runs the floor and shoots threes. 
He's one of the most fun guys to watch in the nation. I think Gonzaga can make a run. Um, I think, you know, they've had some scares. I think they lost at BYU. Yeah, um, that was tough. That's, you know, that's and anytime, anytime you're in a non weak conference like that, you know, you want to go undefeated to prove maybe that. Maybe one know, loss. Maybe one sometimes loss, there's but, a team like St. Mary's and stuff up and just rank low, and then they beat you, and that's like whatever. Yeah, ranked. but, I mean, it's looking to be a crazy year of March Madness. And yeah. I, I agree with what you said about Obi Toppin. I mean, he can just take over a game. He's a stud. Um, I, he's projected lottery, right? He's top. I think I read top five. Top five. Yeah. Uh, you um, got any got any sleeper teams this year that you want to share? Ooh, sleeper or teams. Is that a secret for March Madness? That, I I can share one or two. Um, Let's hear it. You know, sleeper teams. It's hard to predict the ones that you know come way you know way yeah. from way from way out from left field and uh, make talking, it a Final Four. Talking low-ranked to unranked low, teams you know, that you think could actually be pretty good. I, I agree with what you said about Michigan State. I feel like Michigan State, you know, hasn't put all the pieces together this year, but I think if they can just get, just put it all together at the right time, yeah. start getting hot, maybe get some wins in the Big uh, right. Big Ten tournament, they yeah. can make a run. I mean, that's what Michigan does. Every, Michigan every year wins the Big Ten out of nowhere, and, and, and then they, they go, go, they go sweet six get hot. It's all about... It's all about momentum in college basketball. Mm-hmm. And then, but one team that I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on is Virginia. Virginia. Virginia, I, um, they just beat Duke. That's true. Um, I feel like as a team, they've gotten better and better as the season has gone on. Um, you know, it's a kind of a shell shocker losing guys like Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome yeah. to the draft. I mean, it's gonna, they kind of stumbled out of the gate. Um, but they're just now making their way into the rankings. I think I read. Um, that Bracketal just have them as like an eleven seed, so I feel like that's a scary place to have Virginia, especially an experienced team. Yeah, they got Kihei I Clark, mean, Diakite, people that were on that championship yeah. championship team last year. I feel like yeah. they can make a run. Um, but another interesting thing that has kind of been happening, and the X and the sports world is the introduction of the XFL. And I think Brad, you got a list of rules that we kind of want to go over. Yeah. So I think. Right now, the XFL is kind of a huge experiment. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's an experiment in testing the market of amateur football, and we we saw that last year with the AFL. That didn't really that lasted like five yeah. weeks in the, I mean, in the middle. This of the has season. happened before. There have been yeah, leagues there. that have just gone terribly. Well, the, uh, XFL, the XFL was one of those 90s, leagues. Yeah, but I think it's it's back and it's gotten a lot of media attention. But I, I don't really know how long it will last. But I do think that it's going to change the game of football as we know it. Because they have some very interesting rules that I think the NFL should implement because, yeah. I mean, they're perfect. So, the number one thing that I'm talking about here is kickoffs, okay? So, I think 2011, I want to say, the NFL moved the kickoff, the moved touchbacks up to the 25-yard line because yeah, they wanted stop, because to stop the, yeah, stop the they, kickoff. Yeah, they want return. to incentivize people to not return the kicks because mm-hmm. they're really dangerous. Yeah. But the problem with that is... Well, kickoff returns are awesome. So yeah, you know. everyone loves. Remember Jacoby Jones? Uh, Devin for Hester. Devin Hester made Hester. a career off of that. We haven't um, really seen. A, that. I mean, I mean, if you plenty. watch, there's not, there haven't been many kick returns because, I mean, you can start. It's risky, and if you start at the twenty-five yard line and you feel the ball five yards in the end zone, it just makes sense to take a knee. Yeah, but, but, the XFL, I think they kind of had the perfect compromise because so they have this rule where. Um, Everyone and, starts, and if you haven't seen it, you probably need you to go check it out. Check it, out. it is it's awesome been, to watch. It took only two weeks or two or three weeks for a, a player to return a kickoff for a touchdown, and it's really it's really interesting. So, 
everyone lines up at the 30-yard line, and they, they're not allowed to start blocking until the ball is fielded by their return man. Mm-hmm. And that's good because, I mean, all of the collisions come when people are running full speed at each other and block each other as hard as they can. But because they're starting stationary, there's not, you know, it's just one guy's going to overpower the other, but they're not going to hurt them because they don't have so much momentum. To, you know, they're not yeah. flying at each other. And, but that way, there's, the return is still an option because you have blockers and, you know, I mean, it's just not dangerous anymore. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect compromise. Yeah. If you watch NFL games today, um, you'll notice that no one even even thinks about returning. Yeah, unless you, unless it's like literally uh, feel it. Yeah, unless you feel it. But now you can, you can also fair catch it and, yeah, outside and, of the end zone as long as and, it's in the 25 yeah. and get it at the 25, yeah. which, yeah. Speaking, there is another rule that I think is awesome because, so there's a kickoff. If you kick it off out of bounds, it's a penalty flag called a legal procedure, I believe. And you get the ball at your own 40, which is, you know, it's an appropriate penalty. If you can't kick it straight, then you shouldn't yeah, want to do that. Exactly. But the XFL took this a step further. They, if you kick it out of bounds, you get it at the opposing 45, so you only have a 45-yard field. Wow. But also, if the the kick does not reach the 20-yard line in the air, the opposing 20-yard line in the air, they start at the 30. So if the, yeah, if it doesn't reach the 20-yard line in the air, then the same rule applies. Oh, I, I like Which that is, rule. It, it's interesting. It makes it, you know, some. I mean, the XFL, it's, it's supposed to be more interesting. It's experimental. Yeah, it's experimental for sure. And one thing I saw from the XFL that I really liked, and, you know, in the NFL and, like, all professional sports, the refs have just, you know, they've always been, oh, we lost because of the refs. So we, the refs are terrible. The refs are, the refs are you know. Yeah. But in the XFL, it's different because all the reviews are transparent. You hear exactly what they say. Mm-hmm. They bring in a rule. I'm pretty sure they bring in a rules official um, yeah. to clarify the rule. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's totally transparent. As soon as there's a call or a review, their mics are turned on. Everything they say is transparent and real. And um, I, yeah, real time. I know the, the NFL is trying to start a rule like that. They, I think last week there's rumors that they're going to try to limit like instant replay to under two minutes, which would be awesome. Anything will. Canadian football, I think that really only lasts because that's all that Canada has, but yeah. it does get some American viewers. So I don't know. I think, I think for the first next few years, it will make some money. It will be a viable option, but I think people will start to get bored because it's just not the same as the NFL. No, I agree. I feel like once the NFL adopts the rules that everyone loves about the XFL, I don't, I don't know if I can see a future where the XFL and NFL exist, co- but, uh, coexist. But you know, I feel like as long as the XFL is willing, you know, because what makes the NFL, you know, they're a stubborn league. You know, they they're, not, they're not going to change yeah. too much at, at a time. I think the XFL, if they want to stay, if they want to stay in business, they need to rapidly be changing their rules. After the NFL adapt, oh yeah, after the definitely. NFL accepts it, they need to try something different that's going to get people to watch. I agree, and I think that's what that's the whole point of the XFL. It's not supposed yeah. to be traditional football, like the NFL. It's supposed to be fun and interesting. And I think if they get the NFL to change the rules, they would be like just in general a success because they, yeah, they change I mean, the game of football. It's kind of um, like people would be like, "That's yeah. an XFL rule," you know. I don't know. Or I think maybe what I think would be kind of cool is you know NBA has the G League, MLB yeah. has minor leagues. If the XFL kind of merged served as into a, served as a like G League for the for the NFL, yeah. What you're I saying? Mean, but like because a lot of players come from you know smaller football leagues, but they're not associated with any team. Yeah. 
But I think there's a lot of times where there are a lot of really talented players that just don't get the opportunity. And sometimes there's a lot of teams that could really use the talent. If, like the Seahawks, or not the Seahawks, yeah, the Seahawks, they and the Eagles, they lost a ton of, of skill position players to injuries. And that's mm-hmm. when like having like a farm system of some sort, there are plenty of guys that they could have signed, but they just they didn't. But they needed the talent, and they could have yeah. gotten it. And I think if, you know having a having a farm system like that, it's not perfect, obviously, but I think it gives you a better alternative. And I think that would keep the XFL more in business if people were excited about the future of you know potential teams. People yeah. watch. And it's different because you know if you're injured and in the NBA, if you have an injury, you can pull up from your G League team. You can pull up from you know yeah from the G League. And it, yeah. if you're if you're from if you have an injury in the MLB, you can pull up from your minor minor league yeah. team. So, I mean, um, yeah. But there's just I think the one thing that NFL has is like practice squad, but, but that's only like but that's players. only like yeah that's only like eight, eight people. players. It's just and, like a, and I think yeah, but I think it's kind of like um it's it's exactly like the G League, right? MLB, the thing with the MLB is that like you can't get drafted and start playing immediately unless yeah. you're like like a Mike Trout kind of special. And I mean you know, NBA you see people dominate in their rookie years. Same mm-hmm. thing with NFL. Patrick Mahomes in his kind of his rookie year yeah. won the MVP. So. It would be less like a development group, but more of like kind of like the G League. It would it could develop young players that they think have potential, but haven't really, haven't really been that great. But I still think it would be a cool. I think it's a good idea, and I think realistically, it would it would have a better chance at existing in the long term than a, a league that's just you know the, like the XFL or the AFL. I did have one more rule that oh, I thought you, was oh, pretty cool. Okay, so I think my favorite rule about the XFL actually is like. Is there overtime? Are you familiar okay. with this? I'm not familiar with the overtime. So, you know how in like soccer they do a shootout, right? Yeah. If, if, you know, so like a, um, so they'll shoot five goals or so, and whichever team has more goals, mm-hmm. you know, okay, so wins. So overtime is it's just like that, but they have five tries to get a two point conversion, and okay. whoever has the most conversions wins. And then I think after if you if you're tied if after you the tie five, that. I think it's like a sudden death where like. You have to First get in and stop them. But what's interesting is that if you like get an interception, you can't return it for a touchdown. It, the play just dies. So like you can get like a you know if you have a two point conversion in NFL college, you get like a pick two and you get two points, and that would kind of seal the deal because if you get a points on defense, that would you know it's yeah. like a, that's like a two point swing. But they don't let you do that, which I think is interesting. I think it like it's like if there's a game that goes in overtime, it's going to take a long time to end. It's going to be fun to watch because mm-hmm. there's just a bunch of two-point conversions, you know, touchdowns. It's the most exciting play. I, I, I kind of like that rule. I, I feel like watching soccer, you know, when it goes to overtime, it's not like a disappointment. Like, you know, yeah, you're not... It's, it's all it's, the action It's all packs. intense. Like, it's all, you know, it's kind of like a full half of soccer kind of like pressed into like one... Like, yeah, it's all the, the action-packed just, events right there. And it puts the pressure on the players. There's a, there's a reason that the overtime games are more fun to watch. Yeah, you know? I mean... I agree. Um, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, that's kind of all we have for today. Uh, make sure to tune back in. We're on yeah. Spotify. Uh, share with your friends. Uh, let everyone know about the Raider Crusader. And we'll see you yeah. next time.